And uh, you have noticed uh, by now that Joby is not here, I'm sure. Uh, like I said, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the pastor that is not Joby. I'm the other guy. But um, here today, so excited to be able to bring the word of God uh, to you guys. Always such a joy, always such a privilege to be able to bring the word of God. And so I'm going to go ahead and get started. And uh, like uh, it was Casey who said earlier that I would be uh, preaching today on gospel community. And I always feel more pressure to talk about community because if you read the bulletin, I'm actually labeled as the community pastor here. And so there's a little bit more pressure from me today to talk about a community, what it is, why we do it. We're continuing our sermon series that we have going on to kick off this year. Each year we remind ourselves why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing. And we have this three-part series called Growing the Roots of Wisdom. And in this series, we hope to do exactly what Casey was talking a few moments ago, root one another into uh, the gospel, into wisdom. Wisdom being the capital W wisdom, Jesus himself. And we want to root each other in this by the word of God, as Joby preached on last week, gospel community, which I'm preaching about this week, and next week, Joby will be preaching on prayer. These are the three main ways we see in the word of God that we are pointed to gospel truth. And so, uh, more than ever, though, more than ever, I'm seeing a need for community. Just as I get older, as we enter into even further into this digital age, as our phones become more part of us, as it, it feels, I don't know if you guys feel this too, as I just become more busy, busy with things, most of them not very important. As all this happens to me, I feel like I'm disconnected somehow. Like I'm disconnected from the people that are actually right in front of me. It's not a, a, a problem per se that I am completely alone off by myself all the time. It's just that I could be in a big group of people and still oftentimes feel alone. And that is what we're seeing in our society continually grow. Uh, looking at the stats as I was studying here, according to a recent national-wide survey, 54% of adults feel like they feel like no one actually knows them. That's 54%. 56% said that the people they surround themselves with around are actually not necessarily actually with them. They're off in some other world, land, or on their phone. Approximately 40% said that they lack companionship. Their relationships aren't meaningful and that they feel isolated from others. It seems safe to say, taking all those stats, you can leave here today knowing roughly 50% of people feel lonely. When you see someone, see two people, possibly one of them, feel lonely. That's crazy. Depression is up 33% in the last five years. Suicide rates are up 30% in the last 20 years. And when asked what's behind these big increases, a psychiatrist uh, from the Children's Hospital in Texas says this, the chief psychiatrist says this, that many people are worried about how busy they are. There's a lack of community. 
There's the amount of time that we spend in front of the screens and not in front of other people. If you don't have a community, and listen to this part, if you don't have a community to reach out to, then your hopelessness doesn't have any place to go. So many of us feel lonely and trapped and busy and depressed, and we turn to things that don't satisfy and they don't give us hope. And this morning, I want to talk about what can give us hope. I want to talk about gospel community. I want to talk about what it is, why we need it, and the whole end goal point of it. And so before I get too far, I want to go ahead and pray for us, that God be using me this morning to preach to you and that your eyes be open this morning. Let's pray. Father, it is such a joy and it's such a privilege to sing songs that remind us of your amazing truth. But one of the truths that just rings through in my mind right now is that last song that we just sang. That, Lord God, we got to lay it all down. We got to lay it all down at the foot of Jesus. All of our pain, all of our struggles, our burdens, our sin. We get to lay it all down and give it over to you so that you, God, could give us new mercies every single day of our lives. But we need to be reminded of these truths. We need each other to help us to remember. Lord, I pray this morning that your word, your word by the power of your Holy Spirit would reach the ears of my friends and my family and that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. This is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, it should be right in back of me. And if you don't have a Bible, we also have in the back, uh, black countertop back there, we have Bibles. And if you don't own one, it's our gift to you. Go ahead and take one. Uh, Starting in verse 9 here, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, I'm going to be jumping all over the place this morning. I apologize in advance, but the first word I want to start off with is in the middle of verse 9, and it's the word him. The excellencies of him. Because first off, gospel community starts with God. It starts off with God, who he is and what he has done. God is the starting point in every conversation, in every part of our lives. God is the beginning and he is the center. God is the foundation and the rock He is the foundation that we lay our lives on. And he's also the cornerstone that builds the strength in our lives. He is the one true God. And as you know, our God is three in one. Our God himself 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our Trinitarian God has eternally existed in community, in relationship since the beginning of time, forever. Think about that. That your God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is relational. In and of God himself is a connected relationship. It's important to remember, just as we start off talking about community, lay the groundwork that it is God. And that's why I point out the word him first in these passages, that the foundation of the gospel is about who he is and what he has done. And what has God done? We can remind ourselves of many of these truths. For starters, God has created us to be in his image and his likeness. That God creates us to be like him, to be able to think, to be able to communicate, to be able to love, to be able to encourage, to be able to create. God has made us like him. Although we are not perfect, he has made us in his likeness. And then he immediately, after he creates us in his image and in his likeness, after he creates Adam, what does he do? He creates Eve. And he says that it is not good for man to be alone. That man is not to be alone. That we need companionship. That we need each other. It's no matter how strong we are, no matter how morally good you think you have it together, no matter how many times you read your Bible, no matter how long you pray, we need each other. How many of you guys saw the Batman Lego movie? Sweet, three of you. This is going to go great. All right, everybody knows Batman, though. In the first couple minutes of the Batman movie, we see this guy, complete hero, Saving the city. Everybody loves him. He's awesome. I always loved Batman. And then as Joker says in the old Batman, he's got all those wonderful toys, right? And so after all this, after looking like the complete hero and the Batman that he is, goes back to his gigantic, huge mansion because he's a billionaire. He has everything. He sits down. He looks at his gigantic TV and a minute into it, it reveals, the movie so well captures that Batman is alone. Batman's lonely. Batman, Batman needs someone. Even Batman. My point is, as strong and as good of a person that someone can be, we need people. It's proven that we need people. From the beginning, God says that it is not good for man to be alone, and he gives us each other. It's beautiful. So continuing on, I'm one word into the verse. So continuing on in verse, or second, or sorry, continuing on in 1 Peter 2, verse 10, we actually learn some bad news. If you look at verse 10, you see some things. It's, it's bad news coupled with good news, but... The bad news is once you were not, once you were not, and once you had not, not really good news there. Once we were not a people, once we were orphans, 
We were lost kids, worse, no identity. Once we had not received mercy, and we love to say that God's mercies are new every morning. Once we could not say that. It's because of our sin. Our sin has separated us from a holy God, from the radiance of the glory of God. We are Christians, and we were, we Christians, we were, we were, we once were in darkness. And that is a great thing to go back to. Just the other day, me and my wife were thinking about our life and the way it looked six years ago financially. We weren't doing so well. And we were looking just in a financial way, the, once we, the way we once were. And it wasn't, it, it was encouraging to see what God has done in our lives and what, the provision that he's provided for us in the last six years. But this is so much bigger than that. That once we were in darkness, we were, Lord, we were orphans, we were lost in the fall as we sing. And then there's good news. It says, but God. So here, him, again, him, who called you out of darkness, who called you out of darkness into, is the big word I want to focus on, into. See, Titus 2.14, Titus 2.14 says, Jesus gave himself for us. He gave himself for us. We often remember that. We often remember that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. We remember that God saved us from our sins, but for what? For what purpose? So we keep reading in Titus 2.14, it says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people that he purified and cleaned us up, redeemed us and reconciled us to the Father to create a movement, to create a people on mission, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So he gave himself up to purify for himself you and I, us, But you, as I continue on here, going back to the beginning now of verse 9, but you, Jesus' work on the cross is why 1 Peter 2.9 can start off with but you. Without the gospel, it doesn't have the word but to start that off. But you. But you. Here, Peter is creating a huge separation from verse 8, right before this, where he talks about a separation. He says in verse 8, those who don't believe, those who don't believe, they stumble and they disobey. This is those who have not yet been shown the glory of God, stumble and disobey. He says in verse 8. But then in verse 9 gets to say, But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. 
a holy nation. Holy is set apart. We are set apart from the world to look differently, to act differently. We shouldn't look like, verse 8. We're supposed to look different because of who we are, church. We are His. It says, His people. You are His. You are chosen and elected to be His own. Be confident in that identity. That we are His. That you and I, we both belong here today. That we are His and we are not just His individually to leave this place separately, but we are His together. See, Christ's death, it has a purpose. To save sinners and to redeem them, not simply an individual. We're not saved only as individuals, but a people. And so that they would be incorporated and that we would be incorporated into into a community. Community is a product of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Community is a product of the gospel because of big words like into darkness, into light. We are not just a product of the gospel, and this is the best part, but we are the point of the gospel. Jesus saves to redeem a people. It's not our work. We didn't do anything. We are saved by grace and grace alone. But we are a point of the gospel. It's inseparable. So let me remind you of some more good news. That you have been handpicked by God if you are a Christian and you have the ability to be brought into a community of believers to be used It was his work that brought you into it. This royal priesthood, this church, the ability to make disciples, to be priestly. Every believer is given the task, given the Holy Spirit with making disciples. It's not saved just for the professionals. We are all included in this mission. And gospel community is the fellowship of the saints. A community is a people whose lives are centered on the gospel. A gospel-centered community, it displays God himself. The Trinitarian love. The Trinitarian compassion. The Trinitarian mercy. And the grace that we have been shown. That once we were not a people... Once we were in darkness, but now we've been brought into his marvelous light. This is good news. But now that we've talked about what gospel community is, now why do we need it? Why do we need each other? We need each other to grow one another into the roots of wisdom. We need one another so we can ground one another in the word of God. We need one another to point one another to Jesus because as Jeremiah 17, 9 says, 
Our hearts are deceitful. Yes, we've been saved. Yes, we've been reconciled. Yes, we are justified just as you did. It seemed right before the Father, right? We know that, but we're still being sanctified. We're still being sanctified daily. And I know I'm prone to wander. I'm, I'm blinded. I have blind spots in my life. And I don't know if you guys have noticed or, or seen the movie. There's a movie on Netflix right now called Bird Box. It's a huge phenomenon, evidently. And so, yeah, everyone's laughing who's seen it. Um, so in the, I guess what's happening now is people are trying to do this Bird Box challenge. And in the movie, people wear blindfolds because they can't look at something. And if they look at the, the thing, then their worst fears come out. So people are trying this Bird Box challenge, having blindfolds on and doing things with it, right? And a girl recently drove a car and tried to do it blindfoldedly. I didn't keep reading to see if she survived, sorry. But just the idea of why someone would even attempt that. But we, without a church community as Christians, are doing that. We're driving around blindfoldedly. We laugh at how stupid it sounds to do something like that. But listen to what we were just talking about. God, the infinite God and creator, all eternal, all knowing, knowing everything, decides to set up life for us to be with people and we decide we don't need people or we don't need to be known by people. That's like driving blindfold. Is it not? We're not being who God has called us to be and everything he has given us to be. We need to be encouraging one another. So we're so forgetful. That's why we need each other. We're forgetful. How many times on Sundays do you come here and that first song starts and you go, oh man, I wish I had remembered that yesterday. Deuteronomy 6.12 says, Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Our God has freed us. He has taken and removed the chains. And we need to be constantly reminded that these chains are no longer on us, even though we love to put them right back on. These chains have been removed. This forgetfulness, this blindedness, this deceitfulness, it makes me spiritually lame, unable to walk. Turn with me to Luke 17, and it'll be on the screen in back of me if you can't get there quick enough. It's a great illustration of how we are to be for one another and why we need each other. On one of those days, as he, this is Jesus, is teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. So here is Jesus in a house. It's packed. Even the Pharisees are there. And he is teaching the word. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. And those who had come up from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. God Almighty is sitting right there and he's got the power to heal. And everyone's there. Everyone's watching. And behold, verse 18. 
Some men were bringing on a, a bed. Some men. There's two men here. Bringing on a bed a man who is paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, because it was so crowded, they couldn't find a way to get him into the building. They went up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And now I'm going to skip down to verse 24. And then Jesus says to the man, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Jesus heals the paralyzed man. This is such a great example of how loving someone, just simply bringing them to Jesus And this is what we are to do for one another. These two men were stronger than the weak man that couldn't walk. And when I'm spiritually strong, I help my brothers who are weak. When I'm spiritually lame and I can't walk, I need to be humble enough to allow men to hold me and to pick me up on the stretcher. I need to allow those men to put me on the stretcher. I need to actually let them bend down and accept the help and realize that right now in this moment I am paralyzed, that I cannot move, and I need them to pick me up in their strength, but take me to the one who has the ultimate H hope capital H hope, Jesus himself. I need men in my life to help point me to the gospel and to the grace of God. We need to be encouragers like these men. I want to be more of an encourager in my life. The more I ask for this, it seems the more I become a critic (laughs) But I'm praying so much to be an encourager, to be like these men that were carrying and busting down. They went through this effort that they tried to carry this man to Jesus only to realize that the crowds were too thick and they don't stop there. They go up to the top of the building and they bust the roof down. The love, the devotion, the compassion, the care, the confidence that they had to know that they couldn't fix this man, but they wanted to take this man to the one who could. I want to be like Ephesians 4.29 that says, build up, give grace. I want to be a builder up of people, encouraging them. But to encourage and to build up one another, we actually need to meet up daily. We can try to do this through our cell phone. Sending verses is great. I get a lot of verses sent to me. I get a lot of you guys, thank you so much, encouraging me that you're praying for me via text. But nothing replaces actually being with someone in person 
we must be meeting with one another. And this needs to happen daily. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And that takes to be with one another. The one that needs wisdom, we carry to wisdom. We bear each other's struggles. We bear each other's hardships. We bear each other's pain. We bear each other's sicknesses. We carry one another. And I've seen this throughout our church. It's been awesome to watch. When someone's sick, they get meals delivered to them. When somebody is just spiritually lame, I see prayer. I'm seeing this happen to encourage you guys. This is awesome. I need people to point me to the grace of God all the time. There's other things I can do. I can minimize my sin. This is why I need people. I can make my sin look smaller than it really is and downplay it and suppress the truth. And then when I vocally say what I did and I confess it, that's when I usually see how big it was. But I need people in my life to sharpen the tools that I have. I need somebody to sharpen my dull sword because iron sharpens iron. I need my friends sometimes to put the armor on me when I'm going out to battle. That's just a work day, right? (laughs) But I need the armor put on. But sometimes I'm too weak to put it on myself and I need them to put it on for me. We saw this in the movie Lord of the Rings. Who likes Lord of the Rings? A couple of you? Okay, I got, hey, hey, more than Batman. (laughs) So at the end of Lord of the Rings, we see such a great picture of carrying each other's burdens. We see Frodo, the little hero of the three movies, getting ready. He's at the one-yard line. He's ready to drop that ring into the fire and destroy it forever and everything, the entire movie will be over. It's all one. It's all done. He's almost there, but he gets exhausted and tired. And his friend Sam, that has been with him the whole time, looks at him and he says, you know, I know that ring's going to distract me. I know that that ring leads me to sin. There's no way I can take it from you. But he says one thing, I can't carry that ring, but I can carry you. And he carries him. And that is a picture. The two men that bust down the roof tiles, that point to Jesus. Sam, in the movie Lord of the Rings, taking and physically carrying his friend where he needed to go. These are the burdens that I pray that at Life Mission Church we continue, because we're doing it, continue to do. And I realize as I talk about community and the need for community that a lot of you, have been hurt in the past by relationships. And so diving in and entering into a space where you have to be known, where we're asking for for you to be real and authentic with someone, that this is hard for you to do. It reminds me, and this is my third movie analogy. Man, I gotta get other ones. Hopefully you guys watch movies. (laughs) Um, It it just reminds me, I, I love... I love Pixar movies, but I love the opening to that movie, Up. Uh, Carl Fredrickson, the old man in that movie. 
he is, uh, he, he has just gone through, uh, you, you see his life in the first five, ten minutes of that movie. You see how he had everything, how he had a wife that he had loved his whole life, that he had given his life to and for. And then we note it, we, we see in the first ten minutes of the movie that she passes away. The next scene shows him in a dark room, closed off, the window blinds are shut. He's living in darkness because he's been hurt. He once loved, but he couldn't imagine himself going any further in it. And in steps a savior, (laughs) the unexpected savior of the movie, little boy scout, Russell, who knocks on the door, enters his life, and they become friends. And he gets companionship and learns how to love again. If you've been hurt by the church, I just have some, if I could speak into your life just for a moment in the most graceful way I could imagine is to remember, if you're a Christian, remembering who you are, remembering who you are in Christ, remembering what has been done for you, the grace that you've been shown, the love that you've been shown, to allow that love to be something that you want to give to a church community. Because love, it covers a multitude of sin, doesn't it? And as we receive people who have been hurt in the past, I pray that we would be so graceful, so loving, so compassionate to them, that we would be like these men, picking people up on stretchers, taking them to hope. Because when your hopelessness has no place, as we read that quote in the beginning of that psychiatrist, the hope has a place to go to that you are humble enough to accept the help and that we are just there enough to help you. If you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to join in on what Life Mission Church is doing, then practically speaking, there are a few ways. First way to get connected, believe it or not, is just to start coming to church regularly. Maybe that's your first step. Maybe you don't even go. You're not even a part of a church. You don't even go. I would just encourage you that each and every Sunday here at Life Mission Church, we preach the gospel. We preach the good news of Jesus Christ through song, through the word, and through communion. You're going to get it throughout the service and be reminded of who you are. We have community groups. Community groups meet in homes. Uh, These are uh, throughout the week. We have them usually on a Wednesday, Thursday. And if you would like to join one of those, please come talk to me. Uh, You can email me. My email's on the sermon notes. Uh, Please send me an email. I'd love to connect you to one of the groups. But these are groups that meet in homes, and it's the primary vehicle of which we use discipleship because they're done in homes, and we're opening up the Word, and we're living life with one another. They're more than just a Bible study. They should be life lived with one another. 
We also have what we call uh, fight clubs. Fight clubs are one-on-one meetings with people. Fight clubs are where we fight for the gospel in each other's lives, where we are literally taking people to Jesus, just like we've read. We are being those men, or you're allowing yourself to be humble enough to be the one on the bed, to be taken to the Lord. There's a few books I'd like to recommend. There's one called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands that's great, a gospel-centered discipleship that is great, and Cross-Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney. If you forget those, couldn't write them down, just come talk to me after. Uh, And another way to get connected, to get involved in Life Mission Church is to serve. Uh, We have servant opportunities throughout our church. We uh, have opportunities in the kids' ministry. Please email Amber. Tyler is nodding his head like this. Or email Tyler. Uh, Their emails are on the sermon notes. Uh, If you like to play music, if you would desire to play music, if you play cowbell, call Matt Pirro. (laughs) Email Matt Pirro. He would love to hear from you. If you would love to lead a community group, call me, email me. Let's go out, let's hang out, let's talk about it. We're here to make disciples. We're here to watch people grow. We're here to watch people proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So check out, we're going to end soon here, I promise. But check out and return to 1 Peter 2, verse 9 again. There's a little big word there that I haven't gone over yet. So why are we a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession? You see that word that? We are his possession that. This is so that. As a result, here's what we're to do. We are you that you may proclaim that you may declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why does Jesus heal the man who couldn't walk? I'm going back to Luke 5.25 now. This is after Jesus says, rise up and walk. As Jesus has told you, he's brought you from darkness into light, and he says, rise up and walk. Why? What's the point? In verse 25, and immediately he rose up before them and picking up what he had been laying on and went home, went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. They couldn't believe that someone had been brought from darkness into light, that someone had been healed, that was once couldn't walk and now was told to rise. The amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. I want to remind you of another verse as I close. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Does God save us? To hide us? Or does God save us to bring us together? 
to bring us together. And it gives light to all in the house. It encourages everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Look at your notes. As Charles Spurgeon says this, the Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. I don't have too many non-believing friends that pick up the Bible. And I'm sure that's true for you. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. We're walking Bibles. We're a testament of what God has done. We are the light. And we are to be the light together. Community is God's plan A for the proclamation of His excellencies. The end goal isn't fellowship. The end goal isn't fight clubs. The end goal isn't to confess sin and say how much you need Jesus. We confess and we meet with one another. And we are sanctified so that we would bring glory to God and be the light of the world. And we need one another to do that. We need one another to proclaim, to declare, and to brag about how awesome our God is. This church is our life mission. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father, that we were once not a people, but now we are a people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Lord, that you call us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for your own possession, so that we, God, would proclaim your excellencies. And now I pray, Lord, that you would give us either the humility to join in or the compassion to help. But Lord God, give us what we don't have in ourselves. Because in and of ourselves, we don't have those things. Our hearts are deceitful. And we constantly need to be pointed back to your grace as we are often paralyzed. Lord, encourage us this morning in your word that we are yours. That we can rest in that truth. I thank you for the many servants. I thank you for the many leaders. I thank you for so many people here, Lord, that are already doing this so well. I pray for more and an increase so that your name would be glorified in the name of Jesus. If there's somebody here hurting, if there's somebody here that's down and depressed, I pray, Lord, that you would open up their eyes to the beauty of church community. And that when they join that community, that community would receive them with grace and with love and with compassion. Lord, we love you and we celebrate you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.